Everything is Awesome is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows, like TV Ate My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelant Friends, and Podstalgic at courtsandparts.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kevin. This is a show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. But it's that time of year where we switch it up a little bit. We're still talking to awesome people, and we're still talking about awesome things. But not necessarily their awesome thing. Uh, last year, around this time, we, we, we partnered up with uh, another podcaster to sit down and chat about uh, the Invasion crossover on the CWDC uh, Berlantiverse shows. And uh, just like last year, we're doing it again this year. Just a new partnership uh, and a new crossover to talk about. Uh, that's right. We're talking about the four-part crossover Crisis on Earth-X. And to, uh, to help me discuss that, uh, we're bringing in a, uh, a friend of the show, officially a super friend of the show, who will have to get on uh, to showcase them as a person. Uh, but until then, we're going to talk some uh, Green Hour, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and of course, Supergirl. Please welcome to the show. Uh, Brian, I didn't confirm how to say your last name, so I'm going to take a stab at it. Stever? Or is that too on the nose? It's spot on, man. You nailed it. Hi. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Brian Stever uh, from the Take Two podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Oh, thank you for having me on the Everything is Awesome podcast. This is exciting. I'm glad that you used Super Friend uh, in describing oh, yeah. me. There's a little hidden meaning in there. Fun little rivalry yes. that we have going with our Superman versus Batman love affair that each of us have, of course. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's it, from the very beginning of this podcast. Like, I I wanted a um a name to call like the fan base, okay. and um because like it's I, I and it, it comes from my wrestling uh f- fandom where where you have like the peeps uh from from Christian uh the Edgeheads for Edge. They're the only two that are coming to mind because I listen to their podcast on a regular basis. But um so I was like, oh who do we have? Like what, what we like we we're not, like Hulkamaniacs, there's the there's the key one. Yeah. It's the one everyone knows. Yes. Um and the first thing that popped in my head was uh Super Friends. So that's uh we I've taken that uh from I I'm sure it's probably trademarked by dc no. so uh please don't sue me but <laughs> no, no. What, what you like the wrestling podcast we have a wrestling podcast over at take two podcast we have a spinoff called take two takedown some of our guys do the wwe style wrestling talk all the time they're big into it yeah i um i i have to get on those episodes uh that you guys do but um i i've, I've actually because i don't m- watch much wrestling anymore uh, just because I have the WWE uh, network that I I need to start utilizing, so I don't feel bad that I'm spending the money on. But um, I, I I I listen to 
Edge and Christian almost weekly because they're pie. I don't know. Do you listen to any of the wrestling podcasts? Uh, only my own. I, I fell off the last okay. time I was listening to wrestling. I was a degenerate for Degeneration X back in those uh, days. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I've kind of I haven't watched on a regular basis since Shawn Michaels retired, hmm. uh, and. He, uh, he, like, that was, he was my quote unquote hero. Like, when I was a kid, I said, I want to be Shawn Michaels to the point where the very, uh, well, not my first gimmick, but when I, when I wrestled in the backyard, um, really early on, I was Heartbreak Kev, uh, <laughs> and had, had the red sights with the, with the white and, and black heartbreaks, uh, had the, the motorcycle hat with the zebra print on the top. The heart-shaped glasses and those like arm-length gloves that he had. Yeah, yeah. I had all that going on uh, in that gimmick, and then uh, and then ev- eventually when we got a little bit more serious, I, I switched gimmicks up. Uh, but I always I kept uh, what I called the heartbreaker, uh, which was a super kick, uh, but to the chest, not to the chin. Mm. Uh, and I, I kept that uh, as like a as a one of my handy dandy moves that I would uh lay on people very nice so you're you're gonna think i'm saying this just to kiss your ass because i'm on your show but i applied junior into senior year of high school i actually sent in an application to go to Shawn michaels heartbreak kid wrestling school okay. in texas yeah i i don't know if i ever went that far i definitely got a lot of when when he had that school i definitely got a lot of information about it and and i I know I considered it and I don't know because that his school was around right around like when I was graduating high school. So I don't know if like I just ended up being too young and I, I think what it ended up being is I'm just too lazy and like, I don't follow <laughs> through with things, but I was, I actually, we lucked out because the group of guys that we did it with, like we were pretty serious. We, uh, we built a ring in a friend's backyard, uh, got shut down by the township, uh, and had to tear that ring apart, went to another buddy's backyard, bought a ring. Um, and then we started, uh, training with, uh, like a local, um, a, a local place, uh, that, that would put on monthly shows or buy monthly shows or any, something like that. And, uh, and then we eventually just got our own wrestling license here in the state of Pennsylvania and started putting on our own monthly shows. And we somehow got connected. I don't know if you were into the, the independent scene back in the nineties. Um, but uh, reckless youth uh, was like the king of the independence. And I only know this because like, I wasn't a bit, I didn't follow the Indies at all. Okay. But uh, so I only know it because, you know, he was there. He he came gotcha. in and he, he started wrestling with us and he ended up uh, training like he he's the guy who's like my official trainer, which is neat, because if you don't know anything about him, like he was in the WWE farm system at some point. He's mentioned in uh, William Regal's book, like hmm. Regal trained him and uh, he was the, like the he was on the cover of, I think, pro wrestling was it pro pro wrestling magazine? Is that the name of like the, it sounds right. Yeah. He was on the, their cover at one point he held like every major indie title, uh, at some point. And, and he was like a huge deal was supposed to like, 
like make shockwaves and they couldn't figure out what to do with him. If I remember correctly, the WWE farm system had offered him. Do you remember this may have been, this was right around the merger of the uh, like WWE and WCW. Mm-hmm. Um, when Billy Gunn uh, partnered with Chuck Palumbo and they were Billy and Chuck. Yes. Yes, of course. And their manager Rico with the sideburns, mm-hmm. they wanted to give that gimmick to, to reckless youth. And he said, I'm, what do I do? Like, that's a dead end gimmick. Once, once that kind of pans out, I'm, I'm, I'm left with nothing. And, um, right. And then, you know, life eventually caught up with him and he had kids and, and whatnot. So he didn't ever, I think, go beyond OVW or whatever it was, uh, at the time. Uh, but yeah, so, so I'm like, long story short, I was trained by him. I was trained by very cool. Yeah, and uh, it's it's funny because why I started talking to a couple uh, buddies of mine from back in those days. Uh, again, we like a lot of us just kind of fell apart and stopped talking for a few years, and we started talking. We're like, uh, "What are we doing again?" And we're all we all sit in a heartbeat to the point where I was like, "I think, I think, I think, no matter what, I want to do this one more time." Like, I know I'm thirty. Yeah. I'll be. I, I, by next summer, I'll be 34 years old. But I mean, if Goldberg can get, I mean, and I'm not in Goldberg shape, but if Goldberg can come back and do it, I can do it one more time. And so all that training is what got you booked for your role as a stuntman on this CW crossover series. Oh my God. That would be a dream come true. Right. And yeah. And that's what we are going to talk about uh, today uh, is, is crisis on now, you know, as I saw, I saw two hashtags the other day and I actually honestly didn't pay that much attention to to the title of the crossover. It is crisis on earth X, right? Not of earth X. No, it's on. Yeah, because okay. they had to go there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's what that's what I assumed. That I saw another hashtag as I was using it the other day, and um, uh, I was confused. And now I just looked at my uh, my tablet, and all my notes are missing. So, oh no! <laughs> Here we go. They were accidentally deleted. Not a problem. Recover. There we go. This is how, this is behind the scenes, folks. Beauty of editing is what we're about to see. No, we'll see. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a good editor. So. No? Okay. No, I, uh, well, I mean, uh, as we've all heard on the, the round table episode, that was heavily edited, but, uh, when I have a feeling there's going to be zero audio drift issues today, which means that there's going to be very little editing on my part, uh, because I'm just a lazy podcaster and, and I feel like. That just makes me better in the long run. <laughs> I so, like it. So you're a, a big fan of the CW um, shows? Yeah, I enjoy three of the four. Oh, interesting. I think I want to find that out naturally as we talk about the, the crossover. Though, um, I, I guess let's... Um, I, I do want to kind of address it on, on the top of the episode here uh, that the... What are your thoughts as far as the crossover as a whole compared to Invasion last year that was heavily marketed as a four port four part crossover but really Supergirl was nothing part it was really nothing part of the Invasion storyline until a 30 second clip at the end that was I think repurposed the next night on Flash. Yeah, I think 30 seconds might even be generous. Um <laughs> 
I think last season was they needed to do two things. A, find out if they could pull it off. B, they needed some people to watch Supergirl because it was their first season on CW. And it forced all everyone who wasn't watching Supergirl to watch an entire episode just to then get to that last scene. But then it made everybody grumble afterwards. Hey, I just had to you know suck it up for this episode of Supergirl. And mm-hmm. I wonder how many fans they actually got out of that. Um, but I just I felt the crossover last year was fun, but I don't think it had as much depth as mm-hmm. this one did. And they actually incorporated some storylines from each of the four shows a little bit into this one. So it, just comparing the two off the top, I loved this one far far better than last year's. Yeah, and I and last year's I enjoyed. Uh, my biggest complaint was was mm-hmm. mainly marketing, and it was surrounded by that Supergirl uh, debacle where it was marketed as night one of the invasion crossover. And really like save for the, the breaches opening uh, randomly throughout the episode there, there was nothing until that last, that last little scene that we saw, I think at the open of flash the next night. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and, and my thing was like, you could, you could easily kind of done that episode and incorporated Barry uh, to help supergirl throughout that like you could have just had like have uh barry and cisco fall out of the breach onto the the thanksgiving table uh in the middle in in the middle of dinner and Mm -hmm. have them help supergirl throughout that episode i don't think the story would have changed at all if you just incorporated that and at least it would have been a little bit more interconnected um but yeah, and I also feel like last year, and this will this we'll probably touch on this as we talk about the other episodes uh, for this year. But and I don't know if this is a good good or bad thing. Uh, but last year's episodes, each one felt like that show's episode, and they worked Invasion in. So like the Flash episode felt like a Flash episode, Arrow felt like Arrow, and Legends felt like Legends, and they worked in the Invasion storyline. Where this year it felt like they treated it as just a four hour storyline and mm-hmm. um, I'll get into more details about it, but I don't feel like like specifically with Supergirl and flash, uh, you know, they didn't feel like they were like Supergirl based or flash based at all. No, they felt a little bit more um, generic, but we I'll get into that. And I don't, again, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing um, after watching the whole, the whole event. I, you know, it's probably actually a good thing that the four episodes this year didn't really necessarily feel like they were pigeonholed into telling not only the crossover story, but like the individual show story. Yeah. And also I felt last year's kind of went to each show's style, like arrows last year was definitely an arrow style episode versus flash was more a flash style and et cetera. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, And I, and I think just based on overall, um, in fact, here's my note on, um, on, I guess the, the event from last year and this year invasion almost felt forced, uh, especially with the Supergirl episode, um, and not really being part of the crossover. Uh, whereas this year, each show seemed to set up naturally, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, And, the one of my it's funny early on in my notes one of my biggest gripes is that uh the the supergirl feels like an episode of the flash because it's it's centered uh at barry's wedding right 
but as as the as the event goes on, I think I've realized that uh, there's no other way to to kind of do that. And and it was kind of nice because I still feel like, generally speaking, Arrow felt like it hit all the points it needed to to be an Arrow episode, and and Legends hit all the points that needed to be a Legends episode. But then Supergirl and Flash kind of reversed each other, where where the 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 Supergirl episode I think hit all the notes to be a Flash episode. Okay. While like the main story story points in the Flash episode were very Supergirl centric. Um, so uh, I guess we can hit those. Sure. We can kind of hit on that as we talk each episode. Um, so I guess the best thing, the best way to start this out is uh, Supergirl. Let's let's start with Supergirl. Okay. Uh, so I guess uh, my because now I now we need to figure out what of the four shows you don't like. Uh, so so let's start with Supergirl in general. What you know is this a show that you follow on, on the regular basis? This is a show that I do watch regularly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, good, good, good. I was worried because that's that, that seems to be the one that normally s- some people don't, and uh, that Flash and Supergirl I, I, are like I think the flagship like flagship shows of this network now, and uh, uh, so I appreciate that you actually do watch. Supergirl. Which is crazy since Arrow Arrow has been on the longest, but you're but yeah you're right. Yeah, uh, uh, it's and I you know it's funny I was talking to in and in actually I think in technically uh, last week's episode of Everything Is Awesome my guest and I talked about the Berlanti verse mm. and how um, Arrow did start everything off and um, but here we are in 2017 six years into this little Berlanti verse that they got going. And I would say if I had to pick a sh- one show that's the flagship show, it's it's the Flash. Uh, it just it, it seems like the strongest of all the four shows, and um, it definitely has opened up the opportunities for these other shows to exist, especially in a way where you know you have the multiverse mm-hmm. to 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 deal with. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Legends kind of you know, spun off of the flash more so than the other ones. I I think the majority of the legends characters come from the flash with a mild mix over of arrows. So that totally makes sense. And with arrow kind of being down ratings wise last year and the year before that, and flash really taking hold, uh, you're spot on with how the flash is the number one flagship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Supergirl uh, is one of my, it's, it's, if I had to say, Supergirl and the Flash kind of like are so so close to me because they they feel the most similar in tone. But if I had to pick one, I, I would say Supergirl ranks number two for me. Okay, um, it's my second favorite of the of the four on the network. Uh, but um, I, I would say like, hey, the best thing about this episode for the crossover is that it actually felt like it was part of the crossover. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this is where I think that the wedding for of Barry and, and, uh, Iris, because that seemed to be like the, the, uh, the, like the a plot of this episode and it hit on minor things on, in Supergirl, um, like Supergirl's world, as far as like little moments that it addressed, like, I think it was, um, like it seemed like the B and C stories were were Kara, uh, Kara's, uh, you know her 
her she's still trying to deal with being you know whether she's a human or an alien like she's trying to reconcile uh the whole even though that my i think yeah they addressed manel manel's back yeah uh and she's still kind of dealing with oh that's a human emotion why do i have to deal with that and um and alex is you know i guess would be the c story with her dealing with the fallout with maggie but it felt like i don't know this episode felt very flash heavy uh to me yeah, like you said, both shows are very similar in style, so I can get that. Let me ask you real quick. Uh, did you watch them one at a time, You know, the two of them on Monday and the other two on Tuesday? I ended up having to play catch-up, so I um, I finished everything over the weekend, okay. uh, and I ended up watching, but I did watch them you know, in, in the intended order. I watched, and I watched them, I think, in two days, I think on Saturday. Uh, or maybe Sunday, I watched uh, Supergirl and Arrow, and then uh, and then either Sunday or Monday into Monday afternoon, I watched Flash and Legends. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I called up two, and I kind of you know watched them in the in the order you're supposed to, but um, I, I hodgepodge them together to a degree where it, it made the four of them feel like one part. Where, like yeah, you were saying yeah. last year, was definitely had their own styles. This one, you know, the diehard fans could tell. Okay, this is the Flash. This is the Arrow style episode. But I felt like all four of them merged together really nicely, and I, I think that's a big reason a lot of people liked it. Yeah, no, and I totally agree. And I would have like being that guy that can that can pick out those subtle differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made sure to like that's what I was really kind of paying attention to when I started taking notes. And, um, so yeah, I actually think that for the general audience, it just felt like one big storyline. And I think that's what it needed to do. It's, that's why it is, I think much better than last Mm -hmm. year's, uh, even though I loved invasion, I think that crisis handled it better because it did feel again. I think if you, if you really like look at the stories that were being told, especially the B and C stories of each episode, that kind of t- like seemed like it dictated what the episode was really about Ex- again, except for, except for flash and Supergirl. I feel like they kind of had a role reversal, but I, as you said, they, you know, or as maybe I said earlier, they're similar in yeah. tone. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. They're just so similar in tone that it's hard to just to decipher like what, what was actually happening, but it, it just, you know, whereas like the, the wedding was the focal point of this first part. Part three seemed to focus heavily on uh, Kara's importance to the Earth X invasion, right. uh, and and that seemed to be the the A story, while uh, some Flash storylines were the B and C stories. Makes sense. Makes uh, sense. But but overall, yeah, I I mean, it's I think you know if if I'm a general audience member who just loves uh, watching TV and it happens to be these superhero shows. Uh, I don't think you notice the difference in any of them because they they felt like they they like it didn't go from bright and happy to dark and gloomy to bright and happy to bright and gloomy. It just kind of had an overall uh, tone that was established in each episode that, that matched each other. All right. So the Supergirl episode, let's start off with probably the biggest gripe of all time of probably any female that was watching this episode. And that is how all of these characters, it's the day before the wedding 
are all figuring out that they need to respond and RSVP if they're going to be attending or not the wedding. Like how furious would Iris be in real life? Like any bride would be like, no, these people didn't respond yet. They're out. There's no way I didn't book enough plates. I already went onto my B list yet. The the way they're getting all the characters together, like, Ooh, should we go? I need a plus one. Will you be my plus one? Will you go with me? I was like, what the heck? No bride would have accepted this. It was very strange. Uh, And I guess, you know, my argument, I, I guess in favor of that, those scenes is that uh, Iris seems to be a character that understands the world she lives in and understands that, uh, Oh, you know what? Maybe Eric, like maybe Oliver uh, was too busy fighting crime to remember to RSVP. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a stretch. It, it, I have to, I have to find a, I have to stretch that, that uh, line of thinking pretty thin to where you can almost see through the, uh, the little silk bridge I'm building here. But uh, I, I think I can, I think I can buy it. Okay. You know, in a, in a world of superheroes, I can, I can, I can buy it. It's, but I totally agree. I think my, one of my gripes about uh, like the invites specifically is that there's, and, and I know, I know why, and I'll get to that in a second, but my, one of my biggest gripes is that there's no way, no way that Barry Allen and Iris West invite uh, uh, Mick Rory to his wedding, to their wedding, and not John Diggle. Like, yeah. there's, like, that made no sense to me until, like, I really kind of sit down and think about um, something that I feel like, uh, kind of going back to Invasion, like, it, as as the shows were leading up to the invasion, uh, they kind of like unnaturally shoehorned in like plot points to get to it, to get to the invasion episode. Whereas, uh, this happened like the, to get to the, the crisis on earth X crossover episodes, everything seemed to happen pretty naturally and was kind of set up early on in the, in this episode, uh, if they needed to establish anything else. Um, ex- but one of the things they realized is the whole reason, the only reason Diggle on Arrow has nerve damage was so that they could get to a place where Oliver has to put this hood back on for this invasion or for this crossover episode, mm-hmm. uh, for crisis, uh, which still like, I feel like there's a story you could tell where Diggle is still the green arrow and Oliver is just still a badass, right. <laughs> you know? during this crossover event. But yeah, it just, it not inviting John seems like a wasted opportunity, especially like when we do eventually see John at the very end of the, the crossover event, like it's a comical moment that would have 100% worked in this episode uh, as far as how he gets there. And then he still could have, you know, helped the team and been invited to the wedding. Like that's what really gets me is that you don't invite John, but you invite a criminal. Right. Crazy. And uh, Iris being a very accepting person, uh, I think we will very much so touch on at the end of this, at the end, because she definitely also shows how okay. accepting she is of her life and the superheroes around her towards the yeah, end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, you know, I, I, and 
unfortunately, I actually did not catch up on my notes today. But for this episode specifically, I, I have a lot, a lot broken down, and everything else I think I can go okay. on the fly with. But I kind of have a couple bullet points um, for what worked in this episode for me, um, and I tried to keep it to since it's a Supergirl episode. I tried to keep up my notes, you know, geared towards that. So um, three of the things that I think worked really well in this episode uh, is that uh, Kara was still struggling with her human side. And I think that's like a very important uh, arc that she has this season. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's defined this, you know, everything early on and foreshadowed stuff uh, down the road with, with Alex and her, you know, and her falling out with Maggie uh, and, and they still kind of are balancing this world where Kara uh, doesn't, you know, she, she thinks she can avoid human emotion because she's mm-hmm. an alien, but, but kind of like how Superman is, you know, supposed to be the, the most human out of everyone uh, when he's the, the, the alien, she's kind of the same way. Like she's, she's, wears her emotions on her sleeve and and with Menel coming back, she has to deal with this wedding right. now. And um, I really like that, that they, they focused on that. Um, like they're that, that at the rehearsal dinner, her and Barry talking uh, was a really nice moment, yeah. I think. Yeah. And <clears throat> Barry also asking her to do him a favor using her, uh, her vocal cords at the wedding. I was wondering if any of that was going to come into play, but we'll get into that on the next episode. Yeah. Um, th- yeah, that was, uh, well, that happened, that happened was that on this, this one episode, too? right? Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, cause, cause the, the invasion, uh, earth Xers come, uh, during the ceremony, which oh, wait, is, yeah, is, I think. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. And I, I really like, and it took me, a, uh, until she hit the chorus, to realize that she was singing the song that Barry had sung to Iris in that, in that episode uh, last year, that, that Supergirl specific Supergirl flash crossover episode. Oh no, no. Uh, See, the reason I watch Supergirl so much is my nine-year-old daughter is in love with Supergirl and she's the reason. And after last year's crossover, we listened to that mini soundtrack that they put out from the crossover. Many, yeah, Many times. So uh, as soon as that first note hit, I was like, oh, good. They they included it somehow. I'm so happy we sang. Yeah. And I and I I, I need to buy that album because I really love uh, that they did that a song called Super Friend. Um, and it was I don't know that just that song was really and I don't remember it completely because I, you know, I, I've listened to it once or twice from watching mm-hmm. the episode, but uh, I, that was one of my favorite songs from the crossover was, was that uh, I think that was one of the, well, were they all original songs last year? No, or, the, t- uh, two of them were Rachel Bloom wrote the songs, the girl from my crazy ex-girlfriend. Yeah. She wrote them. Okay, and one was okay. super friends. Um, and I forget which one the other one was, but yeah. Yeah, that was such a yeah. great little uh, adorable song that uh, it's kind of throwing back to, you know, the the, the storylines of yesteryear and, sure. and whatnot. Um, I think uh, and, and one of the things that I actually don't know if uh, my prediction that I wrote down to my note about Kara dealing with her human, uh, her human side uh, was that 
it felt like in that moment, in that conversation she had with Barry, that uh, he was going to be the one that ultimately kind of helped her resolve this storyline and make her realize that, you know, you need to, you are human. Like you need to love again. You need to not think as an alien because no matter what, you still are one of the most human people I know. It was the vibe that I thought we were going to get by the end of the episode. Like, you know, kind of like last year, there was um, the moments of like all these characters kind of uh, having little moments to tie up the, these little mini storylines that we got during the crossover. Uh, we kind of got that this year, but uh, I, I guess, I, you know, it doesn't feel like maybe, and which is probably a good thing that like, she hasn't really resolved that by the end yeah, of this crossover. True. Uh uh, but it felt like Barry was going to be the one to do it. And who knows? Yeah, I, I, I assume that we're going to have another crossover between just the flash and Supergirl because you cannot keep those two apart for long. I love their, yeah, their chemistry is great. I mean, obviously the two actors have known each other for a long time since they were both on Glee together. So yeah. their chemistry is already there. And like we have already stated, their style of show is so similar. It works quite well. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, they both seem to operate on the on those three H's of heart, uh, heroics and humor. Oh, I, I remembered <laughs> them. That's it's I always forget one of those three H's. But uh, those like, it seems like they have the same formula for the how they write those two shows. Um, and, and it makes sense that that they would because they both are the most lighthearted characters, even though. You know, it seems like Supergirl's kind of in a "quote unquote" darker place mm-hmm. this season uh, than she she was previously, and um, and then Arrow is still the darker show, uh, though it's definitely way more lighthearted than in years past. So you mentioned formula. The also in this episode is my biggest issue with the character of Cisco overall is he he puts it on display again in this issue where he and Harry devise a cure for Firestorm. And my, my issue with Cisco yeah. is he's done this a few times where he's come up with a, a sol- you know, he solved a problem like, oh, I can just invent that real quick, where it's kind of like, well, Cisco, why didn't you invent that two years ago? You know, and then he just like whips something up real fast. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure, you know, uh, Dr. Stein would have loved to have had this cure like three seasons ago. Like, where have you been, Cisco? You know what I mean? I, yeah. I just feel that's a common theme with his character sometimes. But they that yeah, this makes a lot of sense because I mean, three years ago, he he had to be he was forced to be joined with yeah. Ronnie. So if they could have just instead of creating a little contraption, why not have that? Like, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even th- I I didn't that didn't even cross my mind when when that scene came up. Um, and that was and oh my god, we'll touch on this later, but. Uh, I at this point in time, I had no idea how much I was going to care about the Firestorm storyline uh, in this episode. And I will get when we talk about Legends of Tomorrow, uh, part four, okay. we'll get to it. But who, uh, yeah, it, it's at this point, like I didn't really pay attention to it. Really, I mean, I saw it, paid attention to it, got it, like noticed that there was some friction between. Uh, uh, Stein and um, and Jackson, but uh, but I didn't really put two and two. Like I didn't, I didn't see what they were building, the foreshadowing that they had there. It didn't really, it didn't hit me until they right, slapped it right. in my face. Yeah. Is, with that storyline, um, 
the other two things that worked for me in this episode um, was Alex and Sarah, uh, their little, you know, one night stands. Um, and that's because it, it, Supergirl, uh, I think, is like they're very, very friendly to sure. that community. Um, and uh, I like that they were able to kind of represent like because the typical, I guess, stereotype for when uh, there's a breakup, girls are always kind of, you know, stereotypically sitting around, moping around, mm-hmm. eating ice cream. Um, where, whereas the guy is going out and having the one night stand. And I, and it was nice to see that. And, and they, I mean, I think maybe, uh, they hit it a little too much on the nose. Um, when like when Alex actually said, Oh, I'm a dirty guy. I actually had a one night stand, blah, blah, blah. I think they could have probably done without that dialogue, um, to have it be a little bit stronger, but I like that they were able to kind of say that, uh, you know what? You don't have to be a guy to to this is to to you know deal with a breakup this way. It can be anybody that deals with a breakup sure. this way. Um, and so that that like that the specifically the the Alex uh, storyline that they kind of touched on um, throughout this episode and the crossover in general. Uh, it it uh, it just worked for me in this episode, and then uh, this worked for me, and it also I listed it as something that didn't work for me. The Nazis. Uh, being the bad guy, the central focus of uh, of the villains this year, it worked because like who can't get on board for punching a Nazi? But it, it did not work uh, in the sense that it feels almost uh, like a trope at this point to have the Nazis be your bad guy. Um, and and I think especially like in our current kind of political climate, um, it was maybe a little on the nose. Yeah, this is uh, my biggest gripe with the show of Supergirl this year, and. Arrow did it a little bit last year, but Supergirl does it a lot this year. And for them to have it on this uh, entire crossover, it was, I feel like they were the writers. I feel like they have a very forced agenda that they've been pushing on their viewers there. Like you said, the dialogue wasn't needed. Uh, There's a lot of that on Supergirl this year. They enter climate change. They enter uh, pro gay marriage, you know, a lot of political things that are very hot and heavy right now. And in you know, in my opinion, when I watch these comic book shows, I don't want to discuss this. You know, either side of the ball. Yeah. I don't care to discuss these things because I am pro gay marriage, but I don't need it on personally. But I don't need to watch it while I'm watching Supergirl or explain it to my children at this time. And they do it a lot on Supergirl. So then, for them to now have Nazis and talk about the Aryan race and etc on this and that's your big bad it's like wow can you not be more obvious of a where your uh political side is for writers and how we're going to portray everything for everyone watching and that was a huge huge disappointment for me there's so many bad guys out there they could have used why nazis why did we go nazis in this route right during just like you said this entire political climate that we have and in my opinion it's because these supergirl writers are so hell-bent on their agenda pushing yeah and you know what um i i definitely felt that this year's season of supergirl has a lot more of that uh to it i i think that maybe because i especially since i i mean i was like four or five weeks behind so i literally plowed through uh what Four like twenty episodes of Berlantiverse uh, shows mm. to get to uh, caught up on Crisis here, 
um, that I did not, I don't think I really kind of focused um, on it probably as, as much as someone, uh, like it sounds like you watched it week to week, sure. uh, at least more so than I did. So, and I, like my kids are too young to watch the, like these shows. Uh, I have a five-year-old and a, and a three-year-old. Um, so, and my son, uh, who is the older one, the five-year-old, he uh, does not like the sight of, uh, guns. He, he has, loves toy guns, love nerf, nerf guns, loves shooting me with them. But when he sees it on television, he, he gets freaked out by it. Oh. So, um, so, so right now I don't really watch those shows with, with him. Uh, so like, I, I don't, I don't, like, I'm still at this point where I don't watch these shows necessarily as a parent. I watch them as a fan. Sure. Um, and I don't know, like, I, like for me, I, certain, uh, certain episodes of the Supergirl, uh, agenda, I guess we'll call it. Sure. Uh, I was okay. Like the, definitely the episode where her father, um, uh, Maggie's father showed up. Yeah. Uh, that you know, feels like it could have been, I guess, maybe an agenda episode, but I, that one I actually really enjoyed. Like I, that one, I felt like, all right, I like, I dig the message that they're trying to say, send here, but it does. If I really sit down and think about it, it is super political and not super friend. Like, uh, it's not, it doesn't have the, the, the Supergirl this year isn't as lighthearted as it was last year. And I think that's probably yeah. part of the problem, um, is, is that the, the, the way they're, they're writing their stories this year. Yeah. Um, is, is there anything else in this episode before we move on to what really didn't work that, uh, worked for you? Um, I, I liked the introduction early on, you know, the bad, we didn't immediately know who the bad guys were outside of the, the Nazis, but we didn't immediately get who the main villains were, you know, yeah. playing. They, they didn't just throw that right at you. which was nice. I liked the buildup. Um, I liked all of the, you know, Cara and Alex, actually getting her over the relationship stuff that you actually spoke of. Cause I'd like for them to move on from that and kind of get going. You know, there's only so many episodes, like you said, of girls sitting around eating ice cream that folks want to watch. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed that. And then uh, now we're on what worked for me. So yeah. So, I mean, overall it was a great introduction episode. It got everybody together. It had a good reason to get everybody together and, you know, despite the little nitpicky things that we mentioned a second ago, um, you know, oh, uh, Joe's speech. I thought Joe's speech was. Oh, good. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He uh, it was heartfelt. And, you know, they easily could have mailed it in with that one. Something cheesy about, you know, love or something like that. And two kids finding each other. But he said, uh, you know, it was about him. And, you know, it hit home for me personally because I was once divorced and I had to go through that where I had to refine things. And, and relearn how to allow myself to get to that place again. And he used their love for each other as a inspiration for himself. And I thought that was great. And it was something a little different, but still drove home the point. So I'll also enter Joe's speech into the realm. Yeah, no, you know what that was. And, and, and he was like, talk about like a low key um, player in, in this crossover uh, episode. Like I, I mentioned John Diggle, but yeah, I mean, really beyond, um, you know, this and the, the ceremony, you know, Joe, I don't even, like, we don't even see him again. I think after this at all, like by the, after the invasion, um, or after the, the ceremony, uh, Wally is, yeah, we Wally Wally is tasked with taking, uh, his dad and his, uh, future stepmom and brother, uh, 
or sister, I, I guess we don't know what it is yet, uh, the unborn child, to into right. hiding. And, like, that's it. Like, we don't see those three characters again, um, which is, I, I think that was, it was curious of, of what heroes they decided to have in this crossover and what heroes they decided not to. Like, it just, it was straight. Like, I, I think there's a world where Wally could be there and Joe and Cecile could be still safe somewhere. Um, and yeah. same with John, like say again, that in fact, in my notes, I have what I would have done differently. And one of my things is that is that Diggle, like there's no reason Diggle should have even had nerve damage. Like now that I know that the nerve damage seems like it was simply there to help get Oliver back in the suit for this epi- for this crossover uh because it, it already seems like they're setting it up to where he's he's almost better again uh come you know i i feel like in the next two episodes of arrow diggle's gonna be back in shape where he can he can take the, the hood again uh mm-hmm. i just feel like they could have had him come as the green arrow um and and if they needed to put a costume on Oliver and I, and this is probably where a lot of people will disagree with me, but like, there's no reason he couldn't have put on the red suit. If he need, if he needed to wear a hood during this, this crossover event, he could have yeah. easily just worn speedy's outfit. Uh, while, while Diggle wore the green arrow outfit. Um, I, I think it was just a weird move to, to not, um, have Diggle there. Uh, that's like my biggest gripe of you know, I guess this episode and, and, and the crossover completely um, not having him involved. And then, you know, just having like, just having some of the here, like Wally wasn't involved. Um, who I felt, I felt like there was someone else missing, but maybe it was just the legends and they finally came, came at the end. Well, well to me, I mean, you're hitting it perfectly because I mean, Wally West is, arguably as fast as the flash almost, you know, he can keep up. And although they keep pushing this, like he's still learning, he's still a rookie. Well, at the same time, he's far better a superhero than 80% of the people they had fighting with them. So if you want, if we could, you know, we can nitpick here and say, all right, a, why didn't Barry just say Wally take them to elongated man or elastic man or whomever they got on the show. Now, what is it? Elastic man, elongated man is the elongated man. So take them to elongated man and tell him to protect them done. Or Barry turns to Cisco and says, Hey, vibe them to the green arrows lair where Diggle is just hanging out along with the rest of green arrows gang team arrow and have them who at this moment aren't part of this whole scenario protect these two people and then wally come on back because i'm gonna need you and your speed yeah i you know if we want to get nitpicky it's kind of like that that was my biggest thing i was like wow why did they kick wally out they really could have used him yeah uh his powers but we obviously know why there's a couple other super superheroes there's a couple other heroes that was a freudian slip right there that i'm sure they could have used in this fight yeah uh along the way Totally. Um, I think that uh, going with uh, still what didn't work for me, um, the one and this is just a little fun uh, thing that they did last year that I think they tried to replicate. And now that I've now that I've watched the whole uh, series, the the Rory and Supergirl stuff last year 
had me on the ground laughing. Like I, my favorite legend is, is Rory. Like he's, I just love that character that he's still, despite being a hero now, he's still very much is like the anti-hero. Uh, and the way he, he interacted with, with Kara last year, uh, calling her skirt and just, I don't know, everything that I, I was looking forward to that in this crossover. I said, Oh my God, we're going to get more Rory and Kara on screen together. And it's going to be amazing. Um, and it don't, I don't think it happened at all. Uh, but, but now again, after watching it, it seems like they replaced that interaction with killer frost slash Caitlin and Rory that he's, Mm. they're the two that they, kind of built some comedy off of that's true which one's rory the guy that was drinking yeah he's the one uh okay well now i think we know i think i, I know away. i just <laughs> totally gave away which show i don't watch yeah uh he's yeah he's heat wave he's the one with the the, the gun the fire gun yeah so, okay though he also kind of took a backseat um for a lot of the crossover as well uh until i guess the the end uh but we'll get to that um the uh now i, I think i've tar- changed my mind on this i, I was in, I initially had an issue with the ceremony being a focal point of this episode uh because it made it feel like a flash episode versus a supergirl episode i feel like they could have at the time i felt like maybe they could have uh maybe used the rehearsal dinner as as a point like if if earth xers were there to specifically attack their earth one mm-hmm. counterparts then they could have probably done it at the rehearsal dinner as well. Uh, I don't see why not, but I think this is one that I'm kind of stepping away from that overall. Now that I've seen all four episodes, I think it makes sense. And I don't know that I, I don't know that I would have actually done anything differently Um, because I guess it does make sense that the ceremony is where they get attacked. Yeah. I mean, the bad guys are probably having a rehearsal of their own of the attack. Yeah, and they needed to have that so that we could get the uh, the uh, Sarah and Supergirl's sister, whose That's name true. I'm blanking on. Alex. You know, they, yeah. it, Alex. Yeah, it it did allow them to add a couple of those moments into it and a yeah. couple of the rehearsal things into it, which were nice. But all right, that does move us on to the next episode. Well, well one last thing that I want to say <laughs> uh, that I did not like in this episode was that. Oliver and Felicity totally made it about them at that rehearsal dinner. Like that felt, that felt very awkward and uh, not something that I think Oliver and Felicity would have done. Like I just, it seems like a, Hey, let's force this story on people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was that? Yeah. And that was where she yelled. I won't, I don't want to marry you. Yeah. 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 Um, And again, I mean, you know what, that we're going to touch on that later too. Cause again, I feel like, that I feel like they just kind of like they tried to like, I don't know. I don't want to say that it was the characters trying to steal the show, uh, but it was the writers making that like it didn't, it felt out of character. I think the interaction between her and Oliver did not feel out of character, but I feel like they are both people that are smart enough to know where, where they're at. And to not allow their, that to take away from Barry and Iris. Like, yep. you guys are, you're like, you're supposed to be best friends. At least Oliver and, and Flash, 
they're, they're supposed to be best friends here. <laughs> and it seems like a really inopportune time to start talking about this. Yeah, very true. And I mean, this season of, of Arrow has, you know, slowly led them to being together, but at a distance, you know, and then for them, for Oliver, well, people to all of a sudden just be overwhelmed in the moment and then, you know, push for it like that. I, I agree with you. It was a, a bit forced. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so, uh, overall, uh, part one, uh, I, I would actually have to say part one was probably the episode I enjoyed the least. Um, but I also would say that it's like, if I had to give it a score, it's probably a solid like eight or 8.5 out of 10. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I kind of banged them all out in a row. So I'm trying to divide them up into individual, yeah, but it was uh, very hard to do that. <laughs> it would definitely be the least since one has to be the least. Uh, but yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll give it an eight just because it, it was a good introduction to the, to the event. It was a good, you know, first act. And, and I will say this, it, it was actually, I think going forward, it was hard for me to actually find things to not like, um, in the rest of the crossover episodes. And I think it's because I started, I stopped taking notes while I watched and I started why, like I took notes before I started watching arrow, uh, and when I watched Arrow, Flash, and Legends, I did not take notes in between. So um, I think that I, I I unfortunately gave Supergirl too much of a critique, uh, and, and it affected how I fe- felt about it. But we can move on to cro- uh, Crisis Part Two, which was Arrows. Uh, what what was your uh, what are your thoughts on Part Two? Uh, good. This is when the story gets going. This is when, you know, now we get to meet the actual villains and see who they are. And this is, you know, even though we, I think anyone that saw any promos, we're kind of expecting two of the doppelgangers to be them. I then was thrown off as to who, oh, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting a fourth. I'm forgetting of the Prometheus mask. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then who the other, the speedster was, and that was a big shocker. Yeah. Um, well, so I'll say, so I'll say this. Um, I, I was definitely shocked by Prometheus, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. I knew who the actors were in, in the other three roles I knew. So I, so I knew, um, I, I, I spoiled myself on reverse flash, okay. but, uh, I did not realize, and I thought this was interesting. I just assumed that it was, um, her- like it was, uh, I guess Thawne on earth X, uh, never, you know, had to give up the body of Wells. But as it turns out, that was the, the Thawne of earth one that somehow he's still alive. And honestly, his storyline is the biggest confusion I have about the flash because he was like, he's died so many times. Right. Um, But I thought that was super interesting that, that Thawne is actually still alive uh, and that he now last year he was in the, his natural, his, his natural body on legends. Uh, But now he's, back after dying and he's decided to take the face of Tom Cavanaugh and which I I'm assuming was more of a, well, let's just use Tom because he crushed it 
Uh, and that's something that I love about Tom Cavanaugh is that he can, the, 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 he, I love the episodes where they, like the council Wells episode where they brought in more, like, I love, give me an episode that's literally just well, like Tom Cavanaugh acting in every part. Like, I don't need anybody else. I would sure. watch that. Sure. Um, so that, so that's what surprised me about the, that speedster was that it was it was R. It was I say R, but it was Earth's One's Eobard Thon uh, who came back, and he was working with a bunch of Nazis for some reason. Which I felt like that that could I don't think that was cleared up. Maybe I didn't pay attention close enough, but it, I never really got why he was working with this fifty third Earth, which I think is important to talk about. I don't know what episode um, they start talking about the multiverse. Um, it may have been this one. Um, yeah, but they talk about uh, how there's fifty two earths uh kind of you know taking a page out of the comic books yeah but then diverts uh when uh harry um says that well there's actually a a 53rd earth earth x because i was always under the impression and i think i think and of course i would need to pull it up and be way more prepared but when i when they first said it was crisis on earth x i assumed that meant curses on earth 10 and i think i looked up earth 10 in the dc multiverse map for the comic books and i think that is a nazi based earth oh really huh it's we're a villain i'm gonna see if i could do this without um without screwing anything up but while um so while i'm looking this up is do you want to touch on like some of the things that worked on arrow for you yeah uh so now i mean now like we were saying they get the introduction to the villains i i i liked the 52 earths because i think it was just throwing a nod to the new 52 which is what the you know the comics just wrapped up uh two years ago their little new 52 series that they did on on the actual comics so i thought that was pretty cool um and you know now they get everyone together finally figuring out you know now we've got to fight these guys and now we're banding together and it's just giving you the super friend team up that we are wanting and that they're all going to be together which is good um Let's see. I'm trying to find my notes to be specific to the Arrow show here for you. I, and I'll tell you what, this is, and I think especially the way they started this episode off, it felt it felt very much like an Arrow episode while still being that while the while the, the crossover was the focal point. Like I think more so than the previous episode. Um, it. And the while the main story was still the crossover, it felt like they were focusing on arrow related storyline as well, mm-hmm. but in such a way where like last year's arrow episode was in tone an arrow episode, it celebrated arrow, it was kind of like a repilot of that show, so, you know, because it was the 100th episode, and that you could have literally never watched an episode of arrow up until that point, And you would have caught up on it, its entire history um, last year. in that crossover episode uh, while this one, you know, you like, I feel like arrows episode last year, you could have watched um, and not watched any other part of the invasion. And you still would have been okay with the story and not been like, well, well what are the dominators? What's going on? Like, yeah, you, it was, it was way less crossover oriented this year you would have been lost had you not watched part one, three and four, sure. but it still felt very like, I like, I mean, I, I guess we don't have to dance around anymore. I was shocked. I, I don't know who I was expected behind the mask of Prometheus. 
Um, but I was not expecting Tommy Merlin. Yep. That was probably the best part. Yeah. Um, and just to go, to go back to what I started uh, doing when I, when I si- got sidetracked myself. Yeah. According to dccomics.com, uh, earth 10 is an earth where um, uh, Hitler, you know, won. Oh. So, so it's interesting because they, it sounds like they, that like on, on uh, the flash, there is an earth 10, but there's also an earth X and that's the Nazi one is earth X. So, which is fine. I mean, I, you know, they're, they, they can take a different path. I'm not, yeah. I'm not begrudging them for that, but it's just interesting that they um, kind of, in a world where they kind of, I feel like comic book properties that, you know, kind of pay attention to their art, like the, the comic books, I feel like the Berlanti verse doesn't stray too far from it often, but maybe I just don't read enough comics. Yeah. I mean, they, they stay true to the basics for the most part, but they definitely do get their liberties. Um, I mean, I E flashpoint was a humongous Liberty. That yeah. Yeah. Take, but, but so I don't know, maybe they just wanted to say 52 to throw a nod to the new 52. Maybe. Uh, you know, they could have said that and still said, well, number 10 is, you know, is the Nazi one. But yeah. And, and they call it Earth X because, you know, no one it's it's the hell of all. The maybe Earths. in the original script, they were going to blow up Earth X to try and get rid of it. But they brought in Joss Whedon at the end to change things up. So he changed the ending to make it a little <laughs> bit lighter. So that's why they didn't. Do, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, uh, so um, I, I, something that uh, my quick thoughts on this episode uh, was a loving the fact that uh, Tom Cavanaugh was playing the, the villain um, or a villain. Mm-hmm. He was playing both a good guy and a villain, but his main role in this crossover was was as Eobard Thawne in, in Wells makeup uh, and the one of the opening um lines to this uh to this episode was when uh it was the opening scene where i think it was the opening scene where the three of them are like uh, evil oliver evil oliver evil kara and thawne were kind of like you know getting distracted with one another and uh he says to evil oliver be 10 percent less brooding and his delivery like it sounded his delivery was way better than what i just yeah. said it, it just i like i i had to pause the show go to my notes app and write that down because it just it was it, it's everything i love about tom cavanaugh and what he can do with that character of harrison wells whether he's playing you know uh harry from earth two whether he's playing Harrison Wells from Earth One, who was really evil at Thawne, or whether he's playing uh, the Matthew McConaughey uh, uh, version of of uh, of Harrison Wells from Earth what seventeen or whatever right. it was in the Cancel Wells episode, um, he is such an amazing actor, and I and I would he I he is the uh, like my the biggest like. Uh, win for me like the I can't like I'm glad I discovered him through this because I would have never known Tom Cavanaugh outside of, of the show if it wasn't for for the way he plays Harry Um, yeah they definitely don't use Tom Cavanaugh's talents as much as they should and I'm enjoying this season like you said where they're giving him more 
stuff to do. It's fantastic. And they're letting him show off his acting prowess because he is a great actor. Uh, another line that worked for me uh, when the, when our good Barry Cara and Oliver are racing to get to the bad guys and fight them, the three of them together. And you see Barry super speed and then Cara flies in super quick. And then we wait to beat, we wait to beat. And then Oliver shows up on the bike and then Oliver jumps off and he's just quick reminder, super speed. I don't have it. And then, and then the two yeah. of them give that look like, Oh, right. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, th- I feel like specifically this episode and um, the flash episode, they, and, and maybe Supergirl and legends had it too, but I, I, I really only like pulled quotes from those two mm. episodes. The dialogue was really strong and really funny and comical and, and surprisingly arrow in the flash during this crossover. Yeah, this part was a blast. Yeah. Um, I also never knew that I, how much I wanted a uh, Supergirl and arrow uh, ship before, you know, until I oh, saw wow. their evil counterparts where were yeah. married. Uh, that was an interesting little twist, but as soon as they did, it was like, all right, I can see them having a little fun with that, adding a little flavor to it. And then seeing the uh, good uh, side of the doppelgangers react to seeing the two of them together. Yeah. And, and yeah. Car being like, ew. Oh, sorry. No offense, but ew. <laughs> but it totally made me like, I saw that. And I was like, oh man, I like, I can see a world where like they could totally go down this storyline if they wanted to. It would be an odd mixing, an odd pairing. Um, because, uh, Oliver's a little, a little too broody maybe, uh, for, for Kara, but, uh, it's definitely something that I like, I, like, I remember when, um, when everyone was starting to ship, uh, Supergirl and, and the flash, uh, based off of that, uh, that cross the first crossover episode from Supergirl season one. And I, and I was, I was still pro, uh, as you know, I, I, I don't know how people feel about Iris and Barry. I guess, you know, obviously good because they're married now, but spoilers. Uh, but I, uh, I've always been like a Caitlin and, uh, and Barry fan. Uh, and especially during that, when people were starting to say super flash or whatever they were calling that, that relationship, I was like, no, 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 Snowberry. I want Snowberry. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I could totally see Super Arrow or whatever you would call their yeah. ship. Uh, and, and I mean, it's a sh- I guess we won't get it because they don't live on the same Earth. That's something that I, that, that I thought was pretty intriguing about Earth-X is that uh, that was a world where Supergirl and presumably Superman and I guess maybe you could defer that Batman maybe even existed. Like All these characters that are currently split up onto two different earths earth 38 48 wherever supergirl's from and earth one um they all co all those characters coexist guardian win um i assume alex but they, they never really clarified whether it was alex danvers who was evil kara's sister or not on earth x um all these characters exist on one planet on one yeah. earth uh, which was, was a neat, like that I kind of, and I don't know if, cause I'm, I never really read DC comics until like my maybe mid twenties is when I started reading Batman by Scott Snyder. Um, I was always more of a Marvel, uh, person and then like a, a then a Batman fan through other media. Okay. So 
I don't know like the source material to these crossovers at all. Uh, so I don't know if this is the one, but I, I, in the, at the beginning of this, this event, I thought that maybe this would lead to like the collapse of the multiverse and Kara would finally be part of the, the earth one stuff. But, um, I can understand why they didn't do it. Cause you know, then you're gonna have to have crossovers all the time. But, um, is that, is crisis, is the crisis storyline is that like in the comic? I don't know if you know. Is that in the comic yeah. books? Is that where, like, didn't the Earth collapse see, at one yeah, point? Yeah. See, that's they they did that after they needed to clean up some some offgoing you know some offshoot storylines that they after Crisis then combined almost everything down to one. And that was one thing as a DC reader growing up that I I never could get wrap my head around was if there's multiple Earths and then there's multiple Supermans and multiple Batmans like that means that he wasn't the last son of Krypton because he was just the last son of this universe's Krypton. So there's another guy. And, and so that I liked when DC cleaned it all up and, and condensed it down a little bit, but then that's where that's something that bothers me. If we want to, again, get nitpicky with all of these with Supergirl on her show and with some of these other guys on their show, when they get in trouble, you know, Superman's not far away. Or Batman's not, you know, they've never referenced him except for saying Bruce Wayne once on Arrow. But I've always, you know, like if this person's in this big of trouble, i.e. like this big crisis, like why wouldn't Kara call her cousin? Be like, hey, you're kind of strong. Why don't you just give us a hand on this little situation we've got going on? You know what I mean? So I think that's a big reason why they haven't collapsed him on the TV shows yet. Yeah. And what I mean, I, I think that I understand like the difficulty of maybe her having to call her cousin across like she was on earth one, he's on earth, whatever. So I can see the the difficulty of getting him involved, but like, and this is something that, um, is, is, and I think the flash, I don't know. It was, it was, it wasn't in this one. It happened either in part three or part four, but she, she says something about to Thon saying, uh, if, you know, if you kill me, my cousin will be at, yeah. will come after you. And what, what's interesting is what, what he had to say his response to that was that, oh, I've faced your cousin before. And he says this, and you have to remember, this is Thawn of Earth mm-hmm. One. So, like, is there a, a timeline in, in Earth One where Superman and maybe Supergirl or and Batman, like, is there is there a timeline on Earth One's universe where Superman exists? Or was he referencing the fact that, like, he's met Superman on another parallel earth or something. I'm not sure. I I thought that on Supergirl's show, I thought that her and Superman were on the same earth. Okay. Yeah. Yes. On, so on, on, on Supergirl's show, they are uh, on earth 48 and, and, and and it's been implied that her cousin has worked with a mass vigilante before. So like they, they've, they've made a, a, a Batman reference without dropping names, but they've, they've made the mass vigilante reference. So I, I fully believe that there's a Batman on earth 48 or whatever earth that, you know, we could get a Batman cameo pretty easily on, sure. on Supergirl, I think. But, um, but she, she was on earth one, uh, when she said something to Thon about, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. her cousin. Okay. And, but, so since he's earth one guy you're right he would have had to go to that other earth to fight him or 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 there's a like in the future because he's from the 31st uh, he's like the great 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 grandkid of of uh 
of the Eddie, other Thawne, yeah. Eddie Thawne. Um, I think, I mean, he killed himself, so maybe not. I don't know how exactly. this guy exists anymore. But regardless, Eobard Thawne exists on Earth 1. He, like, he even said, I'm from your Earth at, at some point in this crossover. So it's in, like, I, and this is just me being, all right, I need to, like, this is something that, that was said, and now I need to know what it means. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the crossover, but yeah, like, I wonder if it, it was just from him battling Superman on another Earth, or if it was in the whatever century he's from, Superman exists, which could imply that maybe the Earths are going to collapse at some point. Cool. Do it. Bring them all together. But that's a different, uh, that's okay. a different show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say, um, so the, one of the big things that worked for me, uh, in this episode, uh, was Tommy as Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I thought that was really, inter- really interesting. I, I don't know who I would have, that, that was the last person, like I said earlier, who I thought it was going to be behind that mask. Like, did you have any idea who was going to be Prometheus? Did you have any nope. guesses? Threw, th- completely threw me off. And as I was looking at it, I was like, wow, why is that guy? You know, there, and I wasn't even thinking, like, I wonder who that could be. And then when he took the mask off, I was, they got me. They got me on that one. Yeah. I, I almost thought it would be interesting if, um, if Oliver Queen ended up being the Prometheus on Earth X. Uh, it just kind of seemed like it would be nice symmetry from, you know, last year's Mm storyline. Uh, and that would have left it open for someone else to be, uh, I don't even know what he called. I mean, he was the Fuhrer. Right. Uh, so I don't know. Like they didn't call him green arrow. They didn't really call Like he didn't have a code name. He just dressed as a vigilante that wore a hood and shot arrows. So I, I don't, I, I, they, I feel like that could have been a cool storyline where maybe they had somebody else play the quote unquote evil arrow and Oliver was the Prometheus. But I guess this makes like, if you really think about it, it it makes way more sense the way they did it because, you know, in a world where uh, there is no, no uh, Malcolm Merlin plot to blow up the city, Tommy doesn't die. And he's, you know, it's just, they live in a Nazi America where, uh, Oliver's like, I guess in charge of the Nazi yeah. army and um, his best friend is working with him. Yeah. It would make sense. And uh, yeah, I, I dug that um, is, and I, this is where I didn't take many notes at all. I just put one bullet point here and there. Uh, I, th- I, I like, I did not like the lack of diggle again, yeah. especially this with this being more of an arrow episode and it felt like an arrow episode at points. Um, it, even, and here's the thing, like, and this is kind of falls in line with what, like I maybe have do- would have done differently is you didn't even really need Diggle of earth one. You could have had Diggle of earth X. Cause I believe we see earth X in this episode at some point. And we could have seen Diggle of earth X playing the role of green arrow. Like he could have been the hero, like the, uh, you know, the, um, in fact, my guess is maybe this is true that Oliver on earth X was actually the, the dark archer, the Malcolm Merlin character. Mm, okay. And you could have had somebody else playing the role of green arrow. And that could have been, been Diggle a hundred percent. on earth X. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, I think that's the only thing I would have really done differently. I, again, uh, these next part two, three, and four, I watched um, the way you watched all four of them a little bit more seamlessly. Okay. So <clears throat> it's hard for me to, to now to sit here and pick them apart individually. But um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this episode. I just think that uh, there was a couple of missed opportunities with the character Diggle, whether you're talking earth one Diggle or earth 10 Diggle. Um, and uh, something that I just thought about now is like, where was Barry Allen? Like where was earth X? Barry yeah. That, Allen? I mean, that was what surprised me when we saw that it was Thawne. I was then thinking, well, where's Barry, you know, where's their speedster? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause, cause as established, this speedster is not even from earth X. Like he showed up on earth X mm-hmm. somehow, <laughs> which I wonder if we're going to get that answer. Like, how did he, how did Thawne get to earth X? Because last time we saw him, he died on legends or I think it was legends. He, he like that weird, that weird flash speedster ghost. Oh, the speed force guys. Yeah. Like I think they got, if I remember correctly, they, they finally caught Mm. him in, in legends last year. And that's how he died. Like he, he, he got erased from existence or something. I don't really Unfortunately, one one of the things, and maybe that will change going forward. But uh, as much as I enjoy Legends, it is the more forgettable show because it's just more of like a, it's way more lighthearted. Not lighthearted, but it's it's. I don't take it as seriously because they have just fun adventure, wacky adventures gotcha. every week. Uh, it has less of a storyline, I think, or or at least less of a storyline that requires my my attention. Um. So I forget how he, I think that's how Thawne died. Regardless, he's still alive. And I want to know how he got to Earth X. Um, but yeah, what, what for for uh, this second part here, uh, is there anything else that you have as far as uh, what you want to touch on for what worked, what didn't work? Yeah, uh, just two more things that I enjoyed in their straight comic book fanfare. I enjoy Killer Frost. I like it. I liked this where Caitlin could just be Killer Frost. And, yes. and I liked them trying to make her killer frost and scare her or when she gets nervous. I, yeah. I liked all that and her being killer frost. And then I also liked Metallo. Oh yeah. Completely randomly just throwing Metallo into the mix out of nowhere. I was like, Whoa, that's awesome. He came out of nowhere. And obviously Carr didn't see it coming either. Cause he blasted her with the kryptonite ray. I, th- I thought um, to, to touch on, on the, what your points. Uh, yeah. I loved the, the Rory and, and killer frost stuff. It, I still I don't think it was as strong as the Rory and um and Kara stuff from last year's crossover. Nah. Uh but it was it still worked and and this is going beyond the crossover, but I love the uh like there's been a lot of Marvel references, I think in Arrow alone. Um yeah, uh, well Arrow and maybe it was Legends, uh like like they like I don't know, it was Flash. Flash. Yeah. Flash made the reference of, uh, and wait, no. Yeah. yeah. Made the reference of the incredible Hulk, uh, yes. when on girls night out, I believe, uh, when, uh, when she was talking about, um, losing control and when she gets angry and whatnot. And I think it was, uh, this is why I confused it with arrow when, when Felicity said, Oh, that's like the incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then there, in another episode, they made a Spider-Man reference. Uh, I forget when. It was in I think it was during the crossover. When yeah. they came up with the formula and then Stein came up with his own version. Yeah. That'll still give Jax superpowers and it'll make him sticky man like a spider. And yeah. he's like, what am I, a Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's uh, interesting. I, I, I know. Like, I expect on like... Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or or any of the Marvel shows to hear like these references to even like, hey, we're gonna make a reference to Star Wars because we own it. It was kind of like I, I like that they're not so beholden to the D.C. properties that they're willing to, to, to reference Marvel properties. And obviously, I assume in the world of Earth One uh, that the Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man and stuff are just. Uh, forms of entertainment that they can go pick up at the the local comic book store or watch at their local cinema. So, uh, but it's still, it was like a neat little, like, you know, DC, like not shitting on Marvel. Like it was like embracing Marvel. Yeah. So something that didn't work for me and I, and I'll be honest, it, it gets a little better, but not totally better. At this point, we've established the doppelgangers. We've established Melissa Benoist is playing, you know, the the bad Cara, and Stephen Amell is playing the bad uh, Arrow. I felt they missed a mark on like really going over the top with a different character. There was a lot of just their acting styles that were just very similar, and mm-hmm. I felt this would this would have been a great chance for them to like really play a different character i understand they're supposed to be the doppelganger so they are supposed to be similar to a degree but i thought like he you get to be evil she gets to be completely badass you know she could come with a deeper voice a darker tone you know little things like that and so i i kind of there's a couple scenes where i was like well that's just Stephen amell just in a black suit and that's just melissa benoist just in a you know in a black with a different logo type thing and so i was a little let down i guess i'll say with that not not a lot i'm nitpicking uh, definitely but i thought as actors they both could have made stronger choices in those roles um well and i think you know, this is where tom cavanaugh definitely shined and i think and i guess maybe he has more experience uh just playing because because he's played this character before he played it in season one of the flash. So, and, and I think he toned it up a little bit more. He was a little bit more evil than he was in, in season one of the flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought like, as far as like bad guys, I thought he did a wonderful job throughout the crossover. And I will agree with you specifically with Melissa Benoist. I, it was hard to buy her as a villain. Like, yeah. And I don't know if it's, it's the choices she made um, or just like, she just looks like a too like too much like a goody two shoes. Um, watching, especially the first when she unmasks for the first time at, at the end of the first part here, uh, and she says something, you could tell she was trying to say it in like a broody evil way. Uh, and I feel like they should have taken another take of that scene because it did not work. And it it got better after that. When we first see in the end of part one, who these bad guys are and that it's just evil doppelgangers. uh, I was really worried that, that we were going to get some shitty acting from Melissa Benoist Mm. uh, as a bad guy. It got better, but, but, but not by much. It was very um, similar. It was her, it was Melissa 
I mean, and, and honestly, maybe it's because Supergirl has been, I don't know if broody is the right word, but she's not been her happy-go-lucky self lately. So maybe that's why it was too similar, because we have we basically got like the good guy version of broody Supergirl valid. Um, this season. Uh, I, Stephen Amell's, um, I feel like, I, I, it's hard because I feel like he was just doing, um, like he's no longer as, as earth one Oliver. He's no longer that broody. I feel like that was season one, season two Oliver, sure. uh, where it was just, let me be broody all the time. And like, I mean, really, if you think about season one, Oliver, and, uh, he's kind of a, he's a villain. He's, he's not a good guy. He's straight up murdering people. Um, so it almost felt like that's who this earth X, like that's how Mel played earth X or was like, let me just kind of do my broody, my broody thing. And I don't think it was bad, but you're right. I think they could have made different choices and, and taken, uh, the opportunities that Tom Cavanaugh took, uh, to really, you know, separate, themselves as this is how I play a good guy and this is how I play a bad guy. So I'll see your Tom Cavanaugh and agree with you, but then I'll raise you a Paul Blackthorne because the oh. Nazi Lance was fantastic. Yes. And that, I don't know. Um, was that in this episode or part three that we get that, that reveal? Uh, it was three. I thought we were on to three. It okay. was in three. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so, so, uh, we will get to three. Sorry, I was, I'm excited for Lance. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We will get to part three and four next week, guys. That's right. Uh, we'll be, this is going to be a two part episode. Cause I feel like we're going to go at least another hour on the next two parts. So, uh, uh, we're going to uh, continue to talk about this, but for you, the audience, we're taking a quick break. Uh, Brian, Give some plugs to people. Sure. You can find me regularly every week on Take Two Podcast. Uh, our show is on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Brian Stever. You can hit me up there. And you can also hit up our show at Take Two Podcast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. And obviously, you can email us, take2podcast at gmail.com. We have a bunch of specialty shows that also come out. We have the wrestling show we talked about earlier, Take Two Takedown, and a Take Two Spotlight and Take Two Soundtracks that give you breakdowns of characters and actors and also uh, musical soundtracks of individual movies that we do as well. So check us out. Uh, yes, it's a, they're, they're the Take Two Empire, as I, I called them we'll at take one it. point. Uh, they're taking over the podcasting land. Uh, much like the Earth Xers, you're the Earth Xers of <laughs> podcasting. Is what is what I've just discovered. Uh, make sure you follow this show on Twitter at Real Awesome Pod. You can follow us on Facebook.com/slash Real Awesome Pod. That's where we do a lot of our announcing of things and and promoting of live shows, like we have uh, December seventeenth. That is by the time this airs, I think like ten days away. Uh, so make sure you come out to a Malcolm comics and coffee house on December 17th, uh, in Philadelphia, PA to watch us, uh, celebrate 100 episodes of awesome. It's going to be uh heart points pod opening up for us. I don't know. That's weird to say that they're opening up for us. Cause we're just a bunch of live podcasters, but heart point pods is going to be playing their game and doing some fun RPG stuff. Uh, and to celebrate 100 episodes, we're playing games too. And I'm bringing Jeff Stormer from the party one podcast along with me. So we can sit around and play some tabletop at amalgam comics and coffee house on Frankfurt Avenue, Philadelphia, PA check that out uh, from 3 30 PM to 6 PM. Those two shows on December 17th, 
2017. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at that nerdy Kev. That's where I do most of my tweeting, even for this show. Uh, until next week, when we talk uh, part three and part four of Crisis on Earth X, I'm Kev, and we've been awesome. Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.